0: Well, good morning, everyone. I trust you were blessed by that time of worship that we've had together. I know it's not the same as being together in the same room, but you know what? It is connecting with God, and we can connect with God anywhere. So keep on doing this. Even after the service, go back, listen to his worship songs, and keep on worshiping the Lord. Today is our 37th day of lockdown. On Tuesday will be the 40th day of lockdown. Unfortunately, it's not the end of lockdown. Uh, We're on level four, but for most of us, there's no difference between level four and level five. And from level five right down to level one, it seems there'll be still no public gatherings allowed. So it'll be a while before we can meet in a church building again. We are aware of the challenges this is creating for many families. Let us continue praying for a solution, a way of treating people against this virus so that the world can go back to work, study, and socialize again. And as much as we can, let us help one another as we are able. In times like these, where we seem to have no control over our lives and where we have to live together 24-7 in limited spaces, it can bring out the best in people and the worst in people. I do hope that you and your family or finding ways of living in an acceptable harmony level and not allowing stress, worry, and conflict to erode your relationships. Spiritual disciplines are crucial in times like these. Prayer, worship, Bible reading, listening to the Lord, these will go a long way in settling your spirit and help you to find solutions to challenges you may be facing. Like I've said before, Times like these can both bring you closer to God and strengthen your faith or weaken your faith and take you further away from God. I do hope that this season will make you stronger in your faith. The month of May this year contains two important dates of the Christian calendar. Apart from Christmas and Easter, there are two other important events in the Christian calendar. They are not so prominent and uh, we do not have holidays for them, but they are just as important in their historical significance. And I'm talking about Ascension, when Jesus was taken up to heaven, and Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was sent to inhabit the believers. The church age and, of course, that, that Advent, the coming of the Holy Spirit, started the church age. The church age is the period that you are living right now until the coming of Christ. When he comes back, you'll introduce another age, the millennium, where Christ will reign on the earth for a thousand years. There will be peace, harmony, and no COVID-19 to worry about. On the 21st of May, we celebrate ascension, the ascension of Jesus. And on the 31st of May, we celebrate Pentecost. After the Resurrection. Jesus spent 40 days on earth before ascending to heaven. We tend to not talk too much about that period in the life of Jesus. We concentrate more on the sermons, on the miracles, and on the parables that he gave during his ministry. I felt we should spend some time and reflect on what happened during those 40 days. So today, we are starting a four-part series entitled 40 Days, okay? And during this uh, series, we're going to look at some events, some of the things Jesus did, and some of the things Jesus taught. Now, 40 Days. What do you think when you hear 40 Days? Perhaps the first thing that comes to people's mind is Genesis. Genesis. We know that um, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And we know that was a time when God brought judgment upon the earth. It was also a transition to a renewed earth and to a new beginning. Jesus fasted for 40 days as well, another 40 days period. Again, it was a transition to his time into ministry, leaving carpentry behind to go into his ministry as a roving preacher and teacher. And then he spent 40 days on earth after resurrection. Again, it was a time of preparation and of transition, getting the disciples ready to continue the ministry without him being there physically present. We will study some of these events. Today's message is simply called Facts. The first thing Jesus did during that period, one of his main concerns during that period, was to provide unfailing proof that he was alive. Now, what is the gospel? You may remember how the apostle Paul summarizes it in, uh, in first Corinthians chapter 15, verses three and four, that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose on the third day. Today, as believers, the fact that Jesus is alive is a given. It is something we believe and uh, we, we know. But for those disciples in the time of Jesus, it was a completely different thing. It was something new to them. Nothing like this had ever happened before. Yes, people had been raised from the dead. Three cases of people being raised from the dead happened during uh, Jesus' ministry. They are recorded in the Gospels. Jairus' daughter, the uh, son of a widow and his friend Lazarus. There may have been more because not all that Jesus did has been recorded. But those people, they came back in their own mortal bodies and they died again later. Nobody had ever come back from the dead and come to life in an immortal body never to die again. It is interesting to note that although Jesus had told his disciples that he would die and rise again on the third day they had a hard time believing it. Matthew 16:21 we read from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed And be raised the third day. Notice he began to teach his disciples. He did it many times. He spoke about this many times. He must be killed and he must be raised from the dead on the third day. Then specifically to Peter, James, and John, when he took them with him to the mountain of transfiguration where Moses and Elijah met up with Jesus, as we're coming down, Jesus told them in Matthew 9, Mark 9, 9. Now, as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. How much clearer could have made that to them? During the Last Supper, he reminded them again. Luke twenty two fifteen. 15, he said, with fervent desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And, and they will be able to connect the dots. Suffer because he was, gonna, he was going to be killed and rise again on the third day. Yet on that Sunday, on that resurrection Sunday, when news of his resurrection began to spread, look at what happened. Mary Magdalene tells the disciples that Jesus is alive. We read in Mark 16 verses 10 and 11. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. Notice the disciples are mourning and weeping. They are upset. They are disappointed. They've spent three years of their lives with Jesus, hoping to do great things to change their world. And now Jesus is dead. He's gone. And so they were sad because they've lost Jesus, they've lost their friend, uh, the master is gone, they've killed him, and a bunch of reasons, they said, now watch, and when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, what did they do? They did not believe. Later in the day, two other disciples walk in and they say that they have also seen Jesus. Mark 16 12 and 13. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country and they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Wow. Eventually Jesus himself appears to the apostles. They were on lockdown and they were all locked up for fear of the Jews. You must remember, um, they killed Jesus because of what he was teaching and saying. And of course, his disciples were now fearing for their lives. Because if they did that to Jesus, they probably would be next. And so they were basically in hiding and very afraid of moving about freely in the city. So they at home, their doors are locked, and all of a sudden, Jesus appears. And he says, peace, guys. And you would think they would go, ah, he's alive, he's alive. (laughs) No ways. Luke 24, 37, it says they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit, a ghost. (laughs) Jesus showed them his hands and, and his feet to prove to them he was not a ghost. But it says that while they still did not believe for joy and marvel, Jesus said to them, have you any food yet? So they see this. They get excited. Well, maybe it's Jesus. And they, they're trying to, to believe that this is what's happening. So they are overwhelmed. They, they're joyful, but they're still kind of keeping their distance. And so Jesus says, let me eat with you guys. And so Jesus asked them for food. He sat down with them. He ate. And he taught them. Mark sixteen fourteen says that he rebuked their unbelief and their hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And in Luke 24, 44 to 47, we read, Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Now, when it says he opened their understanding, he didn't just go click and all of a sudden they could see things. No, he spent time with them in the scriptures, explaining again, opening up the scriptures to them. And then they began to understand. It's the same thing Jesus did with those two other guys as they were walking on the road. He also opened the scriptures to them and they began to understand what was going on. And so he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem or at Jerusalem. Now, Thomas was absent to this meeting. He wasn't there that day. So when the others told Thomas that Jesus had been with him, Thomas was ecstatic with joy and relieved that Jesus fulfilled his promise. Yay! (laughs) No way. So I wish it was like that. That was not so. When the disciples told him that they had seen their Lord, look what he says. He said to them, unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and I put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand on his side, I will not believe. Wow, what a matter of faith, huh? Forget about seeing is believing, this guy touching is believing. This is where the expression touching Thomas comes from. A week later, the disciples are gathered again, they're locked down, they inside their, their, their home, they're chatting, and again, Jesus appears to them. John 20 26 to 29. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut. And stood in the midst and said peace to you. Then he said to Thomas. Reach your finger here. And look at my hands. And reach your hand here. And put it onto my side. Do not be unbelieving. But believing. And Thomas answered and said to him. My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him. Thomas. Because you have seen me. You have believed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. It's amazing when when Jesus appears and he talks to Thomas. All of a sudden, he didn't have a need anymore to get in touch. With Jesus, seeing him, he just went on his knees and confessed to him as Lord. John twenty thirty says that Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. He did many things. So there are many facts put together to prove that he is alive. He did not allow any doubt in their minds of the fact that he's alive. But then he says, These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. You see, it's important to understand these facts and know that it is a fact that Jesus is alive because by believing is the only way that we may have life in his name. Apart from appearing to a number of times to the apostles in 1 Corinthians 15, it states that Jesus appeared once to James and once to a group of 500 people at the same time. These were part of the many things that Jesus did. Through all these things that he did, he gave proof that he is alive and well. He had to make sure his disciples were certain that he was indeed alive, never to die again. That he really had conquered death, the lost enemy, that he had lived up to his claims and fulfilled Ancient prophecies. Why? Why was it necessary that he brings all these facts as proof that he is alive? Well, if Christ is raised from the dead, then resurrection is also a fact. Our hope as followers of Christ is based on the premise of life after death and the resurrection of the dead. If there is no resurrection, then Christ did not rise from the dead. If that is the case, Paul puts it in this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 17 to 19. He says, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. In other words, those who have died as believers, they are gone, finished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, We are of all men the most pitiable. So Paul is saying, if Christ is not alive, we as followers of Christ, we are the most pathetic group on earth because we follow someone who does not exist. Then our faith is in vain and our preaching is in vain. But Jesus is alive. And he made sure he left enough evidence as proof of that facts which even convinced a persecutor of the faith like Saul of Tarsus to become an apostle Paul and he declared boldly in 1 Corinthians 15 20 to 26 but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep for since by man came death by Adam came death, so by man came the resurrection of the dead. By man, Jesus, he was a man, by him came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive, but each one in his own order. Christ, the first fruits. Afterward, those who are Christ's at his coming. Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father. When he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign. So he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Death will, t- will eventually cease to exist. It will be the last enemy to be destroyed. But Jesus, he has already destroyed death. Death has no power over Jesus. Now, resurrection was a new thing to the disciples. Like many today, the disciples doubted. It did not make sense. It was not natural. So Jesus gave them time to adjust to this new reality. It was important for them to adjust to the reality of the risen Christ. We read that they were locked in. They had seen what the elders had done with Jesus. They did not want to be next. They were afraid for their lives. But the fact that Jesus is alive changed everything. A bunch of ordinary, fearful men and women became bold witnesses of the gospel. Preaching salvation in Jesus in the face of death. Many of them gave their lives for the gospel. Just like many are still doing today, 2,000 years later. They could be empowered By the Holy Spirit because they knew what they were doing and why they were doing it. They were following the orders of someone who is alive, who has conquered death, and will return to rule the earth. None of them would be foolish enough to put their lives on the line for a lie. We can only be bold witnesses today if we believe the fact that Jesus is alive those disciples had a major hurdle to overcome and they needed to see and touch Jesus. The foundation has been laid. There is an ample proof of the work of Jesus in people's lives today. Although it is true that Jesus appears to people from time to time, we do not need his appearing to believe the fact that he is alive. Jesus was referring to us when he spoke to Thomas, when he told Thomas, blessed are those we have not seen and yet believe. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Do you know that Jesus is alive? Are you able to help someone who is wondering if Jesus is alive? Can you help them put the pieces together, join the dots? There are people today who simply refuse to believe in Jesus or in any God. They have made up their minds for some reason that religion is a man-made system. However, like those disciples, some people are simply struggling to wrap their minds around something supernatural like the resurrection of Christ. Spending time searching the word of God and looking at the facts of history will show that indeed Jesus is alive. For us as his followers, knowing that he is alive brings great comfort and hope. It reminds us that this world has a future. History has a destiny. In spite of so much pain that man has created through the ages, in spite of what sin has done to nature, a day of redemption is coming. We can be sure that in spite of challenges, difficulties, and uncertainties like we are living now, we are not alone. We have someone who understands our pain and will take us through this season. My prayer is that we would build our lives on the foundation of truth, on the fact that Jesus is alive on the various things which he left behind to prove to us that he is alive, on the fact that Jesus is our Savior, on the fact that Jesus is our Lord. And so I invite you to join us next week for part two of 40 days. Next week, at the end of our service, we will have communion. So I invite you to Get bread and juice ready so that you may spend that time together. Jesus is alive. Have a blessed week. Let me pray a benediction over you and enjoy this day and enjoy this week. May the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ who is alive and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit who is in us be with you, be with me be with all of us, empowering us from day to day. Amen. God bless you. See you next week.